We want to get into the series. We've been going just for a little while. I think this is week 10. And we're talking about how you develop a strong spirit. There's basically three aspects that I want to talk about in this series. Three foundational aspects of developing your spirit so that your spirit is strong. And what I mean by that, I don't mean your spirit is so strong that God doesn't have to do anything for you, you're just strong. No, 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 we're one spirit with him, so a strong spirit means that you have the ability to stand with your eyes fixed on Jesus and you're no longer moved by outside circumstances. You are being completely strengthened in the Lord inwardly, right? And you're immovable in your righteousness. And pain doesn't move you. A bad report from a doctor doesn't move you. Nothing moves you. Your finances don't move you. Your checkbook doesn't move you. Nothing moves you because you understand that God's word is true and he is faithful. Well, the foundational scriptures that we went through in here, you know, Paul's letter to Timothy, and we don't have to go through them again because I really want to get into this third aspect, but we talked about the three aspects is you must nourish your spirit on the Word of God. The Word of God is the only spiritual food. I want you to really get that in your heart because people will hear that but yet they will make sure they eat enough physical food, but they never read their Bible. They never meditate in Scripture, and they wonder why they're weak spiritually. Right? Moved by circumstances. Moved by the enemy who has no authority in your life anymore. See, circumstances are not to move you. You are to move them. Amen? You're to keep Satan at bay right? We stand on the Word of God and we nourish ourselves continually in the Word of God. We, this is our spiritual food. So we talked a lot about that. Then, that's not enough though, then you have to also exercise. So we talked about some big time exercises that we can do exercising yourself basically it's being a doer of the word so you hear the word you meditate in it and then you do it you're constantly nourishing yourself on the words of faith you're constantly exercising as the holy spirit leads you you're believing the word in your heart you're speaking it out of your mouth but then there's a third aspect that's real real important and that is the the aspect of rest it so parallels physical development. You know, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to get in shape, you got to eat right, you have to exercise, but you have to rest. There's not been any human being in the history of humanity that has ever went to a gym and built muscle. Not one. What? No, no, you go there and you tear it down. And then as you, as you eat right and as you rest, you're, that, you build the muscle as you rest. That's, that's how you do it physically. Spiritually, you've got to rest. Tonight when you go to sleep, if you're sleeping and resting adequately, 
your body will go into a mode where it's refreshing and, and recovering and doing all kinds of things physically. It's the same way spiritually. And most Christians do not know how to rest. And we're not talking resting physically. We're talking about resting spiritually. And most Christians don't know anything about that. And here's the reality. There's no recovery if there's not rest. If you're believing God for healing and you see in the Word of God, man, healing is mine, I'm telling you, you're going to need to rest. You're going to feed on the Word, you're going to be a doer of the Word, and you're going to rest. Right? Here is the key or a statement, a foundational statement that will help you understand that. If there is no rest on the inside, you're not resting on the outside. Oh, you could take medicine, you could take melatonin, that'll knock you out or do whatever, but you're really still not resting. And you'll go to bed stressed, and you'll wake up when you come out of that medication stressed. God wants you to wake up in the morning being refreshed. And there's an aspect of rest, though, that there's things happening all night in your spirit while you're resting. And we're going to look at some of that. So you ready? All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to believe God for, for him to just pull out these scriptures that we, I know he has a direction that we're supposed to go. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 20, 28. We'll start right there. We mentioned this scripture just a little bit last time we were together. Jesus speaking, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor. This word labor in the Greek means all of you who are toiling. So when you're toiling, that's not only physical work, but it's mental anguish, it's stress, it's worry. Okay? Come unto me, all ye that labor or that toil and are heavy laden. This phrase in the Greek, heavy laden, means you're overburdened. Have you ever been overburdened? Something's happening in your life and you are, are facing something where you have no ability in your own life to change it. You're overburdened by something. Sometimes people will get in debt, right? And all of a sudden, they have a plan, but they've, they've overextended, they've done some things, some things have changed, and now they're overburdened. There is a lot more money that they need to have than they, are, that, that they make. You can become overburdened very quick. Jesus is saying, if that's you, if that's you tonight, if you're, if, you're heavy, if you're laboring, if you're in toil, if you're heavy laden, if you're overburdened with something, is there something in your life that's just, it's there when you wake up, it's there all day, it talks to you, and the thought just stays with you, that's overburdened. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. In other words, if you want to rest on the inside, it's only found one place. It's coming to Him. Right? You can't read a book, figure out how to rest. 
No, it's, it's, it's in other words, the Holy Spirit will lead you into how to rest. So this is not, isn't this good? This is not something that you have to do. Isn't this good news? It's not something that you have to figure out. And I will give you rest. Rest, this Greek word, is a quiet ceasing that refreshes you. When all of a sudden, your mind is quieted, and it's, remember this word, still. Guess what's happening when your mind is still and quieted? Your spirit is being refreshed by God. Okay? Let's talk about this a little more. He says, now he's going to explain, he's going to explain how he does this. It says, he, he says, take my yoke upon you. So he says, listen, come to me if you're overburdened, if you're in toil, and I'll give you rest. And now how you do this is, number one, when you come to me, take my yoke upon you. A rabbi's yoke was his doctrine. In other words, take my word upon you. All right? Take, that's, now we're talking about how to get in rest. Take my word upon you and learn of me. Guess what? From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation, all the way through, guess what the word of God will do? It will reveal Jesus to you. How will you learn of him? You take his word upon you. You want to really learn? And, and we're not talking about a truth. We are talking about the truth. Jesus said, listen, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen? So this is what he's saying. You got to take, take my word upon you. Doesn't that sound a lot like Proverbs 4? Attend to my word. Put it first place. Doesn't, doesn't it sound a lot like Romans chapter 12? Don't be conformed into the world, but let your life be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With what? With the word of God. Okay? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. I am meek and lowly in heart. Hmm. And you shall find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy. His doctrine is easy. Don't ever think being a doer of the word's hard. This is what the Bible says is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Live for yourself. Do what you want to do. Live the world's way. That's going to be hard. His yoke is easy. But he said, learn of me, for I am meek and I'm lowly in heart. I'm humble. So do you want to find rest for your souls? Let's look at Jesus. How did he live? 
He said, my strength, my nourishment, everything about my life is not to do my will, but to do his will. He even said, I of myself can do nothing. It's the Father that does the works. He's saying, learn of me. How do we learn of him? Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to figure it out. Here's here's an in-you reality right from the New Testament. Jesus said in yourself, you can do nothing. It says, he said, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you don't abide in me, you can't bear any fruit. You can't do anything. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the way Jesus lived. He expected his father to do it all. Isn't that amazing? You got to learn from him. How do you find rest for your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotion. It is the control center. It is the place. It's the battleground. That's the area that Satan throws thought after thought after thought. Right? Your mind, your will, your emotions will try, if if you don't renew your mind with the word, they will look at the circumstances of your life and, and literally come to conclusions about everything. And this world will get you in a position where there's no way out if you look that way. The Bible says to be carnally minded, to be mindful and pay attention to natural things is death. That's it. It doesn't say sometimes death. It says always death. But to be spiritually minded is life, and that's the Greek word zoe, so that's the essence in life that God has, life and peace. And peace is a big part of rest. So, so are, we, are we seeing some things tonight? Yes. This is important. And just so that you would know, he's saying, listen guys, my doctrine is easy. My burden is not over, it's, it's not like where you're overburdened. No, no, my burden is very light. It's light. So now let's jump over to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> We're talking about rest. Hebrews chapter 4, let's look at verse 13. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Well, let's not quite go there yet. Let's start chapter 4, verse 1. It's a work in progress here, okay? (laughs) So remember this, to rest outwardly, you have to be resting in your spirit, right? If you need to recover, if you're believing God, listen, if you're believing God, your, your body is being attacked You need to rest. Man, I'll tell you, talking to Doug Jones, I've heard Keith Moore say the same thing. I've heard Brother Hagin say it a ton of times. Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, who went home to be with the Lord in 2003, 
You know, he was born with a deformed heart and an incurable blood disease at age 16. They said he couldn't live past then. He was almost comatose, would go in and out of comas, received his healing. And I mean, literally, this kid, I, he was like bones. He was like a skeleton when he came off that deathbed. He was paralyzed. And, and, and in his life, when he was in ministry, he pushed it too hard. And man, he had symptoms that came on him. And he knew... He knew this is, this is serious, like, like I'm going to die serious. And the Lord told him, you've got to rest. And the rest of his ministry, he would be in a healing line. There would be 5,000 people there. There would be this massive healing line. And if he's laying hands on somebody, he'd reach a point, and he'd be done, and he would leave. Right? Annie Durant was a young lady on, on one of the Ramah singers and band. She walked in such an anointing that would flow, she'd be right there with him, and as soon as he would go, she'd just take over. But he would never push it. The minute the Lord told him to stop, he would stop. Do you know the number one reason why people don't enter rest? Do you know the number one reason why people forfeit the benefits and the blessings of God is their behavior. It's wrong behavior. Now, the first thing you think of when I say wrong behavior is you're thinking sin. Well, sin means to miss the mark. So, of course, if you're violating the word of God, you're not going to be able to enter rest. Why? Because you'll have too much inner turmoil. But wrong behavior, think of it this way. You're staying up when you should be going to sleep. You're sleeping when you should be getting up and spending time with God. It's behavior. Does that make sense? Yes. You're, you're staying home when you're supposed to be at church. You're, you're, you're doing this over here when God is saying do this over here. In other words, the Holy Spirit will lead you into rest. But we have to be led by Him. Being led by, boy, this is just, being led by your needs, being led by opportunity, is not, is not, is not being led by the Holy Spirit. I've seen Christians take opportunities and they're like, man, you know, it, it's going to give me everything that I want. And they start going down a road and pretty soon everything starts slipping and things change three to four years down the road. Don't, don't let need lead you. Don't let opportunity need lead you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. So in other words, Listen, nobody else could tell you what to do. You might, he'll have you do things that every one of your Christian friends might be looking at it going, what in the world? Don't worry about that. This is why you take his yoke, his doctrine upon you. You, you learn this. Listen, I'm going to humble myself. What is humility? It's living in the truth that without him, I cannot do anything. 
Now, you might be sitting there going, well, you know, I have some ability. I could do some things. Yes, and God calls that nothing. Why? Because you were, you're not here to live a natural life. You're here to live a supernatural divine life, and you are a human being. You're a child of God. You are not made to do anything alone. You are made to come with him and to do everything with him. Do you know that? That's how we live. So many Christians are so unhappy. They're, they're forfeiting this peace. They're forfeiting joy and strength because they're distracted. They're running all over the place trying to please other people, trying to please this person, right? Man, don't come to this church and try to please your pastor. Please him, right? Because that'll keep you balanced. That's, this is, what are we talking about? We're talking about rest. So verse 1 of chapter 4 of Hebrews, it says this, Let us therefore fear. Now this is interesting, because the word fear in the Greek literally means to be cautious, to be aware. In its, in its purest form, it's talking about let's be very aware, let's be very cautious, there's a reason why it's saying this. Let us therefore be cautious. Let us therefore be aware. Let us therefore be diligent. Right? Let us therefore fear to not believe a promise. That's the just part of this word. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us, left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Hmm. Seem to come short of what? Entering into his rest. See, this is talking about the children of Israel, and it's, and it's telling us as New Testament believers, learn from their mistake because these people, they said that they could not have what God said he gave them. He, they, they came up with ten reasons why they could not go into the promised land and obtain their inheritance. Every one of those reasons, God already said, oh yeah, in this land there's walled cities, there's people greater than you, all of this stuff, all the reasons they gave. God said, yeah, this is what that land is, but I've already given it to you. So in other words, they didn't believe the promise. And so they didn't enter into his rest. In the same way, if you don't believe his promise, you won't be able to enter into his rest. Right? Does that make sense? So let's keep going with this. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In other words, if you don't mix faith with a promise from God's word, it won't profit you. Well, how do you mix faith? You use your mixer. And, and, and this is the cool thing, your mixer, you have it right now. I could see all your mixers. It's, it's an inch below your nose. 
That's your mixer. What happened to the children of Israel is they were walking through the wilderness. It was to be an 11-day journey. It turned into 40 years. Why? Because they were speaking what they were seeing instead of speaking what God had said. In the same way, Christians, multitudes and multitudes of them, will speak their sickness, speak their poverty, speak their lack, and wonder why that God never brings the abundance into their life. And what they don't realize is, no, 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 no. He's already given it to you, but you can't lay hold of it. You, and because see, here it is. Faith is a rest. You don't lay hold of anything if you're stressed. You don't lay hold of anything if you're worried. That's why you got to be careful what you hear, who you hear, right? You want to be effective in your generation right now in America in 2021? Man, get it rest so that the Holy Spirit can lead you. You're nourishing yourself. You're exercising. You're resting. You're not stressed what the enemy's doing because you already know, wait a minute, I already have the victory. Right? As I'm sitting here, God's healing my land. God's working in my family. He's working. He actually is going before me and I can't see it. I don't know how. Doesn't matter how. How's not my deal. But his word is true. And if he said, listen, I've given you my child, delegated authority over all, all the ability of Satan, all the ability of the whole, all demons, all, all principalities, powers, all this stuff. I've given you delegated authority to have mastery over them and nothing by any means will hurt you. If he said that, if he said he watches over his word to perform it, then we believe that. So I, I walk believing and speaking. I constantly mix faith with what he said and if i'll do that i will enter his rest and lay hold of everything he's provided for me and nobody can stop it Amen. does that make sense we said this sunday you have to understand this about victory faith is the victory when you read a scripture and you see when when genie reads a scripture and sees by his stripes i was healed that's her victory, because now she starts out with victory. Tendonitis, you, you have to go. Jesus bore it. I don't have to. You start out with victory. And that puts you at rest. Going to sleep at night, knowing that it's, all, it's over. You already have it. Right? That's what God wants for you. Verse 3, for we which have believed, look at this, we which have believed do enter into rest. Boy, God's, I could tell God's bringing revelation of this, and we've, we've talked about this a lot. See, you don't enter into rest if you don't believe. Here's the cool thing, you're a believer, 
I mean, is there anybody sitting here tonight that goes, yeah, pastor, I just don't believe the Bible. No, all of you do, don't you? Absolutely. So you're, you're, you have faith. Time out, that means you already have the victory. So don't be moved by this nonsense that's going on around you. It's got to change. Well, how do you base that? Because I'm fully persuaded that what God said he will do. Did he not say that he'll give you the desires of your heart? Did he not say he's already provided healing for you? He's already provided finances for you? The blessing of Abraham is already upon you? Your steps are already ordered of him? And he's in heaven watching over it to perform it? And his spirit is on the inside of you, leading you and guiding you into all of it. Oh man, there's nothing left to do but praise him. For we which have believed do enter into rest. So jump down to verse 9 for time's sake here. Look at this, verse 9, it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And now it's going to tell us what it means to rest. It says, For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, even as God did from his. God ceased from his works after the six days of creation, not because he was wore out and tired, but because he was finished. We rest and cease from our own works because in about A.D. 32, Jesus was on a cross and he said, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, guess what? It's finished. What do you believe in God for? Guess what? It's finished. Yeah, but pastor, I can't see it. That's okay. The Bible's very clear. Everything that you see is made by things you can't see. Cease from his own works. So it says here in verse 11, let us labor. This word labor means to make an effort to diligently study. So this is what we have to do. Let us make an effort. That means you've got to make a decision to start meditating in the Word of God. Don't worry, you don't have to learn it because you can't learn the Bible. Have you ever, have you, remember reading, have you ever read something and you're like, yeah. he'll get everything over to you that you need, but you won't learn anything. You discern everything. Unless the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the opening of his word. And there's only one person, if this is God's word and it's on the inside of you, there is only one person that can open it so that light can come. And it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit of God. So all the pressure for you to see it is on him, not you. And guess what? He loves you so much. And he's not stressed out. He likes that pressure. He's fully convinced. He can get everything over to everybody. He's the mighty Holy Spirit. So let us labor, therefore, to enter, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example 
of unbelief. This word unbelief means rebellious disobedience. So if you choose tonight to not take his doctrine upon you, to not learn of him, if you're saying, I'm just not willing to do that, if, if you're not willing to mix faith with his word, then, you, then, then just know it's, it's your decision. You can't enter rest. But no, it's not him. It's you. And you need to know that because the moment you decide there's no life in my decision, change your decision. And the minute you do, guess what? He's like, okay, I've been ready. Let's do it. And he'll meet you right where you are. He won't get down on you. He won't lecture you maybe like your mom and dad did. If you grew up like me, every time you did something wrong, it was not just deal with what you did wrong. Let's go back throughout the whole history. No, God doesn't do that. He's like, I'm so glad you figured out that that wasn't working. So now, come on. What I want you to do is forget all that. I'll clean all of it up for you. Don't worry. But now, come walk with me. He doesn't get down on you for the mess you've created. I love that verse. I love that verse. That's wonderful. So check that out. We've entered into rest. Why? How do we embrace this? So now we come to Jesus. We take his doctrine upon us. We learn of him. And we find rest for our souls. What does that look like? I mix faith with the promise. I don't, I don't speak the problem. I speak what God says. Right? So we're learning some things. So let's look at Isaiah 53. Let's just do, this is kind of like a commercial break that kind of has to do with this. Why are we going here? Because Isaiah 53.1 is about to explode out of my heart, so we have to go here. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. I want you to see some things here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53.1, this is the great redemptive chapter, but look at how it starts. It says, who hath, is hath past tense, present tense, or future tense? It's past tense. Who hath believed our report? Now see, years ago, if I was sitting in church, I wouldn't answer that question. Because I'm like, I'm not going to be an idiot. I don't know. I went to high school to play basketball. This, this is no joke. Listen, <coughs> Illinois is the greatest basketball. They might have messed it up since I was there. But in my opinion, this, so this is not doctrine. This is opinion. In my opinion, Illinois is the greatest basketball state for high school basketball in the country. When I was in high school, there was a young man... I'm not going to tell you his name. I didn't believe it until one of my friends showed it to me. He was, the, he was the most highly, he was considered the best high school player in the United States. And they said that this young man could quote 10 out of the 12 months of the year. He couldn't quote all 12. Now, I didn't believe it until I saw the article in the Chicago Tribune. Right? 
But when I saw it, I'm like, well, I could understand that because, I mean, I thought you went to high school to play basketball, not to learn anything. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Well, you figure that out. Anyway, <laughs> so, no, what, what does it have to do with it? You don't have to be the smartest, sharpest tool. His, his yoke, his doctrine is easy. You don't need to have a master's of divinity or a doctor of ministry degree to understand it. You don't even have to have a high school diploma. You don't even have to go to kindergarten. Because wherever you are, wherever you are, when you add the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who knows everything, you're in. So let's look at this. So who hath believed our report. This is the report of the Lord. This is the report. Who hath believed it? And then it says this, and to whom is, present tense, the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord. Study that in the Old Testament. That is the manifest presence and power of God to change things. Who is that revealed to? Whoever chooses to believe the report. Now, I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that I know believe the report. You might not know everything, but if I said, hey, do you really believe, and can you give me some scripture that God wants you well? You only need two or three. That God wants you blessed financially? That he wants your family blessed? That he wants, that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think? You guys are all going, oh yeah, yeah, I believe that then stop believing the lies of the enemy and thinking everything is so far away. You're already there. You're already there. I love this. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So now let's jump over to 1 Corinthians. Let's go over to chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. So glad you guys came tonight. Hallelujah. I'm glad I came tonight. Oh, man. We get all this stuff together, guys. It's wonderful. Uh, I love you guys, too. Look at this. So now let's start to... We need to rightly divide this scripture. It says in 1 Corinthians 14.33, it says, For God is not the author of of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of all saints. So I want you to focus on this first half. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Now here is, in the King James translation, the words, the author, is in italics because it's not in the original manuscripts. They, the, the translators, they added that to bring clarity to the text, which it does, but I, I think it, it has so much more clarity without the author. This is what it would read in the literal Greek. For God is not of confusion, but of peace. But God is not of confusion. And if you look at that word of, you could translate it like this. 
but not God, but God is for God is not in confusion or of confusion, but he is in peace and of peace. In other words, when you're in confusion, God is not there. That throws out all this nonsense. Well, you just never know what God is going to do. You know, he heals some and not others. And oh, he took this child because he needs another voice in his choir. He doesn't need another voice in his choir. Satan stole and he murders. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. God is not in confusion. He is not yes. of confusion. If you ever... Now, now let me ask you this. When you, start, when you start getting in a battle, your body's talking to you, your finances are talking to you, things are talking to you, can it get real confusing real fast? Real fast. It'll get real confusing unless you take those thoughts captive. And then all confusion leaves. Because he's not, he's not in confusion. He's not of confusion. Only peace. You have to know this to know rest. This is so very, very important. So let's look at confusion for just a second. Go over to James chapter 3. This is why you want no confusion in your life. James chapter 3. I'll tell you the verse in a second. Verse 16. Look at, look, let's look at what confusion. For where there is envying and strife, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion. You could read it this way. And where there is confusion, there is every evil work. In other words, Satan operates in the realm of confusion. So he loves envy. He loves strife. He loves fear. Because he can't work if it's not there. Right? So we want to keep all confusion out of our lives. God, have you ever laid down to go to bed and you're laying there and it seems like there's a million thoughts going through your mind? And you feel alone and you're just like, it's dark. That's confusion. And God wants that nowhere by you. He's not in it. Right? So go over to Psalm 71. Wow, Psalm 71. Look at Psalm 71.1. This is just a phenomenal scripture. Hallelujah. Don't you love the word of God? Man. Psalm 71.1. Look at this. Psalm 71.1, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Let's read that under the light of New Testament Scripture. Father, I thank you that I trust you above everything else in my life, and I will never be in confusion. So this just came out of my spirit. Here's another thing that'll rob you of rest. Be careful with accumulating too many things. Be careful with that. Get the clutter out of your life. Be careful with accumulating too many things. Right? 
It won't help you at all. So let's jump back to the New Testament. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. We're talking about how to rest. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. It says, follow peace with all men. Boy, I love, I love peace. Do you know five times in the New Testament, he is called the God of peace. One time it mentions the Lord of peace. Several times it mentions the gospel of peace. Over and over and over in the New Testament, it says grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and his son, Jesus Christ. It's interesting, when he talks to the pastors like Timothy and Titus, he adds mercy. Because he wants to make sure that pastors never beat the sheep. We're to feed sheep, we're not to beat them. He's the great shepherd, has God ever beat you? He never beats me. He feeds me, right? So this is huge. Follow, after, follow peace with all men. This word follow means to pursue and to hunt. So if you were going to go, so Erie, you're here. He hunts fish. I mean, they have an unfair advantage. We, when you go fishing, you don't just get in a boat, right, and go fishing. No, no, he's got the radar thing. Shows the whole bottom. Why waste your life throwing stuff in an empty, right? We're going to go right where all of them are. And he knows, through enough experience, he knows exactly when they're probably hungry. He knows exactly what kind of bait. Go deer hunting or elk hunting. He's a hunter too. Now, this is beyond my area of comprehension because I've never hunted. But, I mean, you talk about a hunter. If they're hunting something, they know exactly. They'll have a special gun. They even have special animals. They'll go, I mean, it makes no sense to me why you'd want to go sit in freezing cold weather to kill Bambi. But, you know, I don't know. But, but the hunters, but God's word is saying, hunt peace with all men. Do you know why it says that? Because sometimes it's really hard. Do you have anybody in your life that maybe it's a little hard? The Holy Spirit will teach you how to follow and pursue peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. Why are we saying this? Have you ever tried to go to sleep? Have you ever tried to rest? And this person that is really bothering you is all over your thought life. That's why God says, no, no, I want you to follow peace with all men. It's, easy. it's real easy to follow peace with those that have done us right. But what about those that have done us wrong? Right? But what is God, why is God writing this? Because he wants you to live a life of rest. And follow or hunt holiness. Look at this, without which no man shall see the Lord. So basically, all you people that are not hunting after peace with all men, you're going to hell. You're never going to see God. That is not what that says. 
Everybody's going, woo! Some people watching online are writing that down. Did you get that? I finally got that guy. I've been trying, I've been telling people he preaches nonsense. No, no, no. Here's, you got to look in the Greek. Without which no man, this word see the Lord, literally means no man will be admitted into the immediate presence of the Lord. You're still saved. You're just not going to walk in the presence of God, which in the presence of God is where His peace is. Come unto me and you'll find rest. So this is why we walk in love. This is why we totally walk in love. Right? I love this. This is huge. So we're talking about peace. So because we are the righteous, let's, let's look at something. Let's go to Isaiah 32. Let's go to Isaiah 32, verse 17. Hallelujah. Oh, man. I've got like 600 scriptures going through me. I couldn't bring my notes. I don't think they're as good as this. This is really good. Hallelujah. Look at this scripture. This is so good. Isaiah 32. Boy, I hope, this, I hope you have the best night's sleep tonight. Wow, see, here's the thing. If you're working, God can't work. But if you're resting, God's working. So you go home and go to bed tonight and rest knowing that God's working. He's quickening your mortal body. He's healing your marriage. He's working on relationships. He's preparing financial things for you. He's bringing you out while you're just simply resting, thanking Him. Boy, this is getting so big in me, we might have to do this next week too. There's so many scriptures. It says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. Do you know, you're, you've been made righteous, and, and your righteousness works. See, what is this? This word work means the action of righteousness, right? And here's the big part of this word. It literally means the transaction of righteousness. Works peace. Or it shall be peace. In other words, here's the deal. A transaction happened. Literally. Before you were even born. It says that Jesus was made to be sin for you so that you would, be, would come to be. Actually, the, the, the Greek would say, and he was made to bear all of your sin so that you could come to be the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. A transaction happened. And because you are righteous right now, look at this. That transaction means you are at peace right now. But pastor, I don't feel like it. It's because you're looking at the wrong thing. 
Stop looking outward and start looking inward and you will get a Mount Everest. The peace that's inside of you, the peace that will come and it'll engulf every arena of your life is so much greater than the turmoil on the outside. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect, this word effect means the result of righteousness. Quietness, quietness. We're talking about resting in your spirit. The result of righteousness is quietness and assurance. This word assurance is this. Number one, safety. It means hope. So the effect of the fact that you're righteous, it will produce hope. What does that mean? It means hope is future. It means that you will, it'll cause you to see that God has got a future for you. It might not look like it in the natural. Who cares? You might not be able to see it, but it's there. Beyond, uh, uh, exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. And it also, this word also means confidence. So as you sleep and as you're resting in your spirit, now you sleep at night, you rest in your spirit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, forever. As you're resting, God's working. And it just gets better and better. But look at this, there's a quietness and assurance forever. You're going to walk in this forever. Wow. Realize this. Peace is not a feeling. Feelings are a result of peace. So when you walk in peace, you'll feel peaceful. In the midst of all hell breaking loose. Wow. See, our strength and our confidence here. Wow. I'll just finish with this because if I go any further, wow, let me see. Yeah, I better not. So, our strength flows as we're at rest. Our strength flows from our confidence, our hope, and our everything in Him. That's that's where everything flows from. I love that. Hmm. I'll close with this. Nothing ever happens in worry. Everything from God happens when you're at rest and at peace. Amen?